Welcome to Fusion Student Ministries. We hope this message equips and encourages you. All right, I'm going to tell you all a story. How's that? Yes, please. We love stories. All right, so when I was younger in um, fourth grade, I believe, um, I used to play every sport, like basketball, baseball, soccer, football, tennis. The sport I was like really wasn't good at was like baseball. And I like no one knew why. Like, I like struck out a lot. But when I hit the ball, like I slammed it, you know. And uh like no one knew why. My my dad would throw the ball constantly in the backyard trying to like make me better. Like keep riding the ball. And the reason why uh uh, I, I I could not hit the ball like consistently was because uh, whenever you're playing baseball, you're supposed to really just have your like even just a little bit of like your left eye showing to see the ball coming towards you. But I always like have my head like cocked like this, so my right eye would see the ball. And uh, my dad's like, "No, you gotta keep your eye like this." But every every time I do that, I just and miss and strike out like every time. So eventually I just got used to having my right eye on the ball and then looking at it and I'd miss the ball. I'm like taking the microphone away. <laughs> the recording's going to be stupid. <laughs> so um, like no one knew, like they, they thought I just sucked at baseball. Like, wow, he can't hit any of the baseballs thrown at him. It was like coach pitch. Like... They just like eventually just did underhand to me, and I'd be like, and totally miss. Uh, and then we had to do, I think it was fifth grade, we had to do like an eye exam where they have the whole, uh, yeah, know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. I could have took a picture and grabbed it because I don't know how to describe it. But I, I'll be honest with y'all, I memorized that chart, like the, the chart where, uh, it's like you have a good eye. It's like F E L O P Z D. Like I, I memorized that because I'm like I don't want glasses, so I like made sure I memorized it with my right, and then I'd get like one off. So I'd be like, oh, his left eye is a little bit worse. But uh, I failed completely because they made me cover my eye, and I didn't memorize it before. And they're like, do you have glasses? I'm like, no, I don't know. I have any glasses. Like, well, you need some because you can only read the big E. <laughs> I'm like, no. And they're like, cover your eye. Like, can you see the, the the second tier of letters? And it's like almost as big as the E. I'm like, like, and I like move my hand like this so I could see. And they're like, you're cheating because <laughs> I just didn't like glasses because. My brothers would hit me in the face and break my glasses or whatever, you know. <laughs> and uh, so I had to go to the eye doctor. And if you can only read the big E on the chart, you're almost legally blind. If you can't read the big E, you're legally blind. So, like, I had 20, like, 15, which is, like, really good eyesight in this one. And, like, the worst <laughs> eyesight in my left one. And my dad's like, that's why you couldn't hit a ball for anything to save your life is you, you were blind. <laughs> like, I just see it, and I, 
I'm like, where's the ball? Like, I'd swing and, and just completely miss it. And it's a good segue into the messages. Like, I could not see what, like, what was coming for me. In this case, was like the baseball, uh, just because I had bad eyesight. Uh, man, I was ignorant to like the little eyesight that I did have. And my parents, they, w- they would ask me like, like, why didn't you tell me you couldn't see? And whenever, whenever you're born like that and no one tells you like what clear, like, like clarity and clear eyesight looks like, you just live with it. Like until fourth or fifth grade, like I lived with it. And I'm like, oh, everybody can barely see out of their left eye. I'm like, I can't see anything in here. Like, I just saw blobs if, if I was, like, in fourth grade. I had to do vision therapy um, and got my eyesight up, but I haven't been wearing my glasses. So it's probably back to, back to reality. Don't, don't, okay. <laughs> uh, man, our spiritual life is very similar to that story, is that, like, we don't realize sometimes how like blind we really are, you know, like what we can see. Like we talk so much about like seeing things and discernment and and be able to see like the spiritual side of things and what's around the corner. They have like phrases like hindsight 2020. It's because after you see it, it becomes a lot more clear. And, uh, I found that was so true in my life is, like, it was so hard to see things on the front end and, like, what was going on in my life and have a clear vision, like, spiritually of what was going on around me. Like, I, I, I'd fake it, you know, like, I, I'd memorize the eye chart and be like, I, I'd know what to say and, like, how to say it and speak Christianese and, and act like I knew what I was doing, but really I was blind. Didn't have that in my notes. A little nugget for you. Uh, so, title of the message is Right in the Eyes. And it's going to make more sense when I tell you uh, what I'm going to be speaking on is Samson. And uh, I'm going to give you example, an example of uh, people who like lack maturity to see things that were different than what they thought. You know, like, whenever you have bad eyesight, like, you think something looks a certain way, and it's not. Like, I can I can see, like, a, I'll take an example of, like, poisonous material. Like, oh, something to drink. If I, if I was blind in both eyes, I'd go to drink it, and there's, like, a skull and crossbones on it, you know? And, like, life's a lot like that. Like, if you can't tell, if you can't see what's in front of you, you're going to make bad decisions and there's going to be consequences. Amen. Good water. Okay, 7.15. Don't tell myself that. I'm sorry. Uh, so I'm going to give you the story of Samson. Everyone's like, I don't care if it's 7.15. Get this over with. No, I'm going to tell the story of Samson. Who knows who Samson is in the Bible? If you watch the uh, the story of the Bible, he's like a big old black dude with braids, like dreadlocks and stuff, which isn't which isn't really accurate because he was like Middle Eastern, but uh, he was a strong dude. 
And uh, so everybody loves Samson. No one really likes what he did. I just like the, he was just like the, if you were too sheltered to like really like comic book characters and stuff, you're like, I'm Samson. And you just go around like trying to pick up stuff. <laughs> I know your homeschoolers know what I'm talking about. Like, like, I don't, I mean, most of y'all homeschooled. So if you ever like dressed up, you couldn't dress up like Superman or like, like Batman. You're like, I'm Moses. <laughs> like, I'm Samson. I'm only saying that because I did that. <laughs> I was like, I'm Samson, spirit. And I'd like lift something or something like that. Probably blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, but who knows? Okay, I'm going to talk about Samson now. Uh, <laughs> Samson was chosen to be uh, a champion for Israel. Uh, an angel of the Lord came to his, uh, his parents before he was born, obviously, and told uh, the mother that he was gonna, she was going to give birth to a son. And she was barren, so she's like, "What up?" And uh, he's like, "You can't, you can't eat grapes, can't drink anything uh, that's fermented, and you can't touch anything that's dead." But like most of all, as like a Nazarite vow, that you could not cut his hair. I, I draw my phone too. Okay. And uh, one one thing he's like probably most famous for. And, like, you get a lot of, uh, like, songs about it. Or there's one, really, but it's not really about that. It's, like, uh, Samson and Delilah. Like, is that, that's, like, the go-to for Samson. Like, oh, you know about Samson, but what about Delilah? Like, and, and it's talked about mostly in, in form of, like, sin and lust. It's, like, the, the, the perception and the perspective that usually people preach about, you know? But... I'm going to be examining the life of Samson through the perspective of his carelessness. Say amen. amen. It's not even an amen thing, but I just like hearing it. So we're going to be reading a lot of scripture. So read that while I read this. Am I in the way? You can read Fusion students. I don't really care. Uh, so we're going to start... And so I already told you guys about how uh, Samson started, he grew up, and it says also in 13 in the last verse, it says that, and the Spirit of the Lord began to stir with Samson while he was in wherever he was. So the Lord was with Samson, okay? And he was supposed to be like deliverer of Israel, the champion of Israel is supposed to deliver the Israelites from the Philistines, okay? And the Philistines, if you don't know, are like the bad guys throughout the Old Testament. I mean, it turns into the Malachites and all, but Philistines was like top dog enemy of the, in the Old Testament. So we're start in Judges 14, 1 through 8. I'll move over here so y'all can see it too. Okay? Uh, Samson went down to Timnah. And saw there was a young Philistine woman. When he returned, he said to his father and mother, I have seen a Philistine woman in Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. What if, like, what if it was like that now? Like, I see her. Mom, dad, grab her and let's go. Like, come on. That's, I mean, that's really what it's like. Like Abraham and Isaac and all that stuff. Like, come on. 
Okay, he's, <laughs> his father and mother replied, Isn't there an acceptable woman among your relatives or among all your people? <laughs> it was in Alabama at this point. <laughs> Must you go to the uncircumcised Philistines to get a wife? But Samson said to his father, Get her for me. She's the right one for me. <laughs> his father, his parents did not know that this was from the Lord, who was seeking an occasion to confront the Philistines, for at the time they were ruling over Israel. Uh, I kind of want to stop right there. Actually, no, I'll, I'll say it later. Uh, verse 5. Samson went down to Timnah together with his father and mother. As they approached the vineyards of Timnah, suddenly a young lion came roaring toward him. The Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him so that he tore the lion apart with his bare hands as he might have torn a young goat. I can't tear a young goat apart. Like, why are they using that as illustration? But <laughs> but I'm, I haven't tried, just to let you all know. Uh, but he told neither his father nor his mother what he had done. Then he went down and talked with the woman and he liked her. Uh, show verse 5 again, where it says, Suddenly a young lion came roaring toward him. In verse 6, it says, The Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him, so that he tore the lion apart with his bare hands. So uh, whenever it says, like, The Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him, in Hebrew it also means, like, rushed upon him. And you see that... Um, I'm going to plug uh, Michaela's little message th- two weeks ago. Whenever Saul would uh, prophesy, like the first time he prophesied, the Spirit came upon him, and he prophesied. Also, whenever David was uh, crowned king, he, uh, the Spirit of the Lord be- came upon him. So, interesting fact for you. Uh, let's see. And And one thing I want to show you guys is, Let's see, where it says vineyard. He was walking to a vineyard to go see the Philistine woman, and he's not supposed to eat grapes or drink anything fermented, which means wine. Like if you didn't know, homeschool kids, wine came from grapes. It's fermented, and that's what alcohol is. But y'all wouldn't know that. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so he, they couldn't drink. Like he, he has a Nazarite vow. He couldn't drink alcohol or anything fermented or eat grapes. Or cut his hair. So he's going into a vineyard. I think that's a lot of temptation, especially like for, like later in the story, he's always like, I'm thirsty. Like I'm pretty sure if he's in the vineyard, he might like take a grape or something like that, but I'm not going to speculate. Uh, it's a huge area for temptation, you know? Uh, and furthermore, uh, when, he, when he saw the Philistine woman, I'm sorry, they smiled at me, so I had to keep going. Whenever he saw the Philistine woman, uh, it's it was forbidden, you know, to, to marry a foreigner, especially a Philistine woman, because that was their enemy, and they were supposed to, like, kill the Philistines. So him, supposed to being the champion, trying to marry a Philistine, isn't following God's plan, you get it? If you got it, say got it. Okay, verse 8. Sometime later, when he went back to marry her, he turned aside to look at this lion's carcass. And in it, 
he saw a swarm of bees and some honey. He scooped out the honey with his hands and ate it as he went along. When he rejoined his parents, he gave them some and they ate it too. But he did not tell them that he had taken the honey from the lion's carcass. If you scoop some honey out of a dead animal, I don't care if they're Jews or not, but I would have been pissed. <laughs> like, oh yeah, like it was a lion that I killed before while I was in the vineyard, but also I touched a dead thing and I just gave it to y'all too. Love you, mom and dad. And why would he go back to the vineyard where, the, where one of the lions attacked him? Like, it's a young lion, and they, they travel in packs. So he's expecting maybe another lion, and it kind of shows you his character. Like, he likes a fight. Got it? Good. Okay. So some takeaways from this passage of Scripture. Um, whenever he says, but Samson said to his, it's verse three, uh, when he says, but Samson said to his father, get her for me. She's the right one for me. It's, uh, the right one for me also means like she's right in my eyes. And like, that's a, that's a very, uh, like dominant phrasing in the Hebrew culture, especially in judges where it actually means, uh, and later on, I think it's in chapter 17, 6, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, he said, Israel had no king. Everyone did as they saw fit, or everyone did as they saw right in their eyes. And so Samson was actually supposed to, uh, say, like, he's, he's supposed to break that cycle. Because judges, they had no king. So as soon as one died, another judge had to take over. Because as you see throughout the scripture and judges, like, Almost every time a judge died, like everyone went back to doing evil, like worshiping gods, like sacrificing their children and stuff. Like, why is that something you turn to? Like, like ah, I'm mad at you, son. Like, <laughs> throw him in the fire or whatever, you know. And, and throughout judges, there was always another judge to be like, "What's up? This is wrong. <laughs> why is the Philistines making us do this? Let me kill some Philistines." And they have a lot of stories about that. And it's a lot of, like, violence. I think it has the most violence I've seen in, like, in the Bible that I read. Like, that I read, you know, there's one Bible. But uh, if you go throughout Judges, they have a lot of, like, just blatant, like, sin. And then someone rises up and then, like, proclaims, like, the Lord and conquers the Philistines in the area. So uh, I kind of want to relate that, like, everybody saw, like, right in their eyes. Like, what they were doing was right, and it's kind of parallel to, like, nowadays. Like, everybody does what they see fit. Like, that's me, man. Like, only God can judge me. And that's really, like, scary. (laughs) Like, yeah, man, I'll do what I want. Only, Only God can judge me, you know? Uh, and I've seen that perspective because that was like, what, like six years ago that came out when a lot of people started saying that? I think it was like a song or something like that. Like, But I was like, Mate, that's exactly what you should be afraid of. It's like, only God can judge me. But uh, it says, uh, 
I wrote down right here, how many people ignore what God says and simply uh, do what they see fit or like do what they see is right and like have their own moral compass. It doesn't really rely anything on the Bible, you know. I can do this, but I can't do this. And some people, they have really skewed moral compass. And, and that's why you get to judges whenever uh, they do think like, and, and Moses, whenever they started sacrificing to a pagan god and they made a golden calf, that was like, what, a couple days. Like, they, they left the wilderness and then they just started worshiping other gods. Like, imagine uh, in Judges, whenever it's years and years of going on and progressing and how, like, evil it can get. You get me? Nobody gets me? Okay. Uh. Samson was supposed to break that cycle and begin like a new reign for Israel. Uh, it says like the angel of the Lord actually said to uh, the mom and said that he was supposed to be a Nazarite set apart to God from birth and he will begin the deliverance. And I think that's kind of foreshadowing because he ultimately dies and kills as many as he did before, but the angel of the Lord kind of prophesied and said, he's just going to be- begin begin the deliverance. Like, he's not going to finish. He's not going to set them free completely, but he's going to put everything in order. A little side note. That was just from studying. I found that. Uh, and for Samson, you see that he compromised his beliefs pretty early on. And especially whenever it came to like taking honey out of a dead carcass. And I, I know he was like thinking like, oh, I can't touch dead things, but that honey does look good. And then like he was thinking about that Philistine woman. He's like, that honey does look good too. <laughs> uh, thank you. <laughs> Cringe. But... <laughs> So he compromised pretty early on, especially whenever uh, he looked at that Philistine woman instead of just like, you know, like, y'all, y'all, man, who went to 412? You know, like, watch your eye gates. Like, <laughs> block your eye gates. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. And like, I think, I think Samson should have learned that because he's like, I like that Philistine woman, you know. Get her for me. <laughs> and that's whenever it started compromising, is that um, that basic rule, like you don't, you don't marry a Philistine, you don't try, you don't, you, really you're supposed to kill them, but he went to go on and marry her. And that's whenever it started, he went to the vineyard to go see her and then got the, some honey from the carcass. So it always progresses. And later on you see, that it does progress. And what I love about this story and about a lot of stories in the Bible is that it doesn't sugarcoat like any of the characters and like any of the people, like anybody. And, and it reminds me of us, like, like our social media accounts are like never like about our flaws. You get it? Like it's always like the highlight reels but the Bible makes it very plain that, I mean, like, y'all got some flaws. Y'all pretty messed up in the head. 
like, I've got some sin to deal with. And that's every person in this room. Like, it's not selective. Like, I'm not the most holy person in this room, you know? Like, we all have something to deal with. Samson, specifically, he just, his weakness was compromising, you know? His weakness was the ladies. But we'll get into that. Uh, So, the Bible doesn't sugarcoat. I have that right here. Um, The problem with Samson doing as he saw fit, and the same goes for us, sometimes we don't even, like, look at the Bible to see how we're supposed to act or, like, treat a situation or react to something. Like, we just, like, God can can forgive me for that, man. Uh, God, can you forgive me because I, I just told this person to shut up. When I was, when I could have told them, like, get away from me. I don't know. <laughs> like, what, what what is the worst? What is the worst sin? You know, um, in James it says that like anyone that calls a person idiot is going to be like thrown in the fire. I'm like, oh, I call people idiot all the time on the road. <laughs> like, probably worse names than that. And and you start to get to the point where like me calling somebody maybe idiot. Is, is different than, I don't know, like killing somebody. Like, it's a different moral compass, you know? And I said that for myself, but the Bible makes it very clear that, I mean, both, both are sins. So, uh, okay. Matthew 13, 15 quoted Isaiah, and it says, uh, For this people's heart has grown callous. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I will heal them. So it's pretty hard. Everyone close your eyes. Seriously, everybody close their eyes right now. Yeah, I was waiting for you to close your eyes. How many fingers am I pointing up? Don't look. Yeah, all of you got it wrong. It was four. I heard one person say four, so it's pretty hard to see. Like, and if I, if I, like, you cover your ears, I'm not going to make you do it because I, like, whisper something. It's very hard to hear. So if you purposely close your eyes and close your ears, you're not going to hear much. You're not going to hear what God's word says about how to act in a situation. And it's going to be very hard to see what's coming down the pipe. If you're not looking. Got it? Beautiful. Uh, So, back to Samson. I'll set the scene and I'm going to read some more scripture. Uh, Samson goes on to marry this girl. Well, actually, they're they're doing the marriage feast. And it's the Philistines, so they have a custom to where uh, they gave him about 30 groomsmen. (laughs) I couldn't imagine having 30 groomsmen. I have like... Seven, I think, and that seems a lot for me. But uh, thirty groomsmen, and they're they're all drinking, having fun, and eventually he he thinks about uh, how he killed the lion, and he got the honey, and he had this little poem that he he told the uh, Philistines, and he's like, "Hey, if y'all can guess what this means, or the riddle actually it wasn't a poem, but it's like if if you guess this riddle right and you get the answer, I'll give you thirty 
uh, sets of clothes, which is like very sought after because clothes, I mean, you have to go to a loom and all that kind of stuff. So they're like, okay, yeah. And wedding feasts are usually like longer than a day, like seven days or so. I don't know why you'd party that long, but have at it. <laughs> and uh, so they actually went to the girl and told, like the his wife, and told her, like, threatened her, like, I'll kill your family, I'll kill you if you don't <laughs> tell us the riddle, because they didn't want to give them 30 pairs of clothes. Like, yeah, threaten your wife, <laughs> threaten the guy's wife so he can uh, get the riddle. So she would um, kind of, like, constantly nag him and, like, oh, tell me, tell me what it is. And he's like, I haven't even told my parents. Why would I tell you? I'm like, cares if you told your parents but back in the day it was patriarchal and you, you had really tell your parents everything it's like I didn't tell them why would I tell you eventually he tells them and then they come back and they they solve the riddle and he calls his wife like a bad name in there like a heifer or something like that he's like but I'm gonna keep going <laughs> and eventually he got he got mad because of that and he didn't have 30 sets of clothes so he went out and killed 30 men and got their clothes and brought it to the guys and was like, here's your clothes, and gave it to them. So, so like, there's, the feast is still going on. He goes, he goes back to the feast, and he's like, all right, it's wedding night, like, time to go see my wife. And her dad gave her away to one of the groomsmen. Yeah, like, for the wedding night, like, get the picture. And so he is furious. Like, if, all right, I'd, man, I'd blow my top too if, like, Michaela was, like, given away to somebody else, you know? And so I can imagine his anger in that. He went out and caught 300 foxes, tied their tails together, grabbed 150 torches, tied those, the torch to the tails, and then set them on fire and had them run throughout the fields just blazing the Philistine crops. I don't know how he caught 300 foxes. Like, <laughs> why 300 foxes? I mean, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him at that point. So this is where we kick off in Judges 15, 11. Um, it goes through 15. Is it, though? I wrote a different thing on yours, but I'm just going to read it. Uh, when the Philistines asked who did this, they were told, Samson, the Timnite's son-in-law, because his wife was given to his companion. So the Philistines went up and burned her and her father to death. Samson said to them, since you've acted like this, I swear that I won't stop until I get my revenge on you. Yeah, you don't have it. <laughs> He attacked them viciously and slaughtered many of them. Then he went down and stayed in a cave in the rock of Edom. Uh, verse 9 says, The Philistines went up and camped in Judah, spreading out near Lehi. The people of Judah asked, Why have you come to fight us? Uh, we have come to take Samson prisoner, uh, they answered, to do him as he had done to us. So, uh, whenever, like, Samson caused 3,000 Philistines to line up along the border, of, like, with Judah, and Judah's like, the, the tribe is named Judah, and Judah's like, 
man, why are you coming towards us, man? They're like, we want Samson. So uh, in verse 11, it's uh, then 3,000 men from Judah went down to the cave in the rock of Edom and said to Samson, don't you realize that the Philistines are rulers over us? What have you done to us? He answered, I merely did to them what they did to me. And they said to him, uh, so I'll, I'll show you. He, he, I merely did to them as what they did to me. So if someone, go back to like that frame of thinking, if someone does you wrong, you do them wrong. You see as you f- see fit, and you right that wrong, right? Like that's the judge's way of thinking, like I do as I see fit. Back to 12. They said to him, we've come to tie you up and hand you over to the Philistines. Samson said, swear to me that you won't kill me yourselves. 13 uh, verse, agreed, they answered. We will only tie you up and hand you over to them. We will not kill you. So they bound him with two new uh, ropes and led him up from the rock. Uh, 14, as he approached Lehi, the Philistines came toward him shouting. The Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. The ropes on his arms became like charred flax, and the bindings dropped from his hands. Uh, Finding a fresh jawbone of a donkey, he grabbed it and struck down a thousand men. A thousand men with a jawbone, like, gosh. Uh, Verse 14, he says, As he approached Lehi, the Philistines came toward him shouting. And it's a very big parallel uh, in Hebrew writing, uh, when, you remember whenever it said a young lion came roaring towards him? Uh, they use the same phrasing here. So, And that's whenever the, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. And uh, he found a fresh jawbone of a donkey, but used it to kill a thousand Philistine men. And that's... Like, in Judges, they usually round up the numbers, so I don't know if it was really a thousand. And... Uh, but I found it interesting that a jawbone is a dead thing. It came from a dead animal. So he used what was dead and unclean to do the will of God. I was like, I was like, do we do that? Like, do we, like, do we try to do things for God, but in the wrong heart, or like, or do things out of our own, like, out of our own will, out of our own selfish ambition, our own gain? Do we do it wrong or with the wrong intention? Uh, do we do things that he said not to do, but still like try to serve him in the process? And made me like really reflect. Like, I have done that, you know? And I mean, examples you can do, like it's almost like you break your convictions, but you're like, I'm still serving God. Like, I'm still doing what I need to do, like, as an example of, like, kind of like breaking the Sabbath, you know? Like, like in, in ministry terms, like, you're supposed to serve God, but if you don't rest, I mean, you're, you're breaking the Sabbath. So that's, it's still a sin in God's eyes. You can get me? And it could be other examples. I didn't really think about that until just now. Uh Yeah, so... And like the the basis and the theme of this message is really like uh, vision and like in terms of how you see things, like the right things to see. If you see what God sees, 
Like a lot of things you'd be doing would be wrong. You get me? And then uh, without proper vision, those gifts that God gives you, like how he gave Samson strength, like they're not used correctly if you don't have the proper vision and the right uh, convictions and, you don't, and you're not committed to that. Uh, Samson was supposed to be the champion of the people. And here they were trying to hand them over back to the Philistines. Like, it wasn't the Philistines that approached Samson and was like, we're here to, like, take you. It was his own people that were like, hey, you're causing trouble for us because, like, you grabbed 300 foxes and let them in the village and, and let them loose, which I think is pretty cool because I, I can't even kill one fox, you know? And so, uh, I'm getting sidetracked. So uh, they handed him over to the Philistines. In verse 11 and 12, they're like, we've come to tie you up and hand you over to the Philistines. Uh, When you use your gifts out of your own selfish ambition or self-gain and not with the right heart, it taints your testimony as well as your reputation. So in terms of, like, if you're a really good singer, but you're, like, really prideful about it, that hurts your reputation about it, you know, because you're not that good, all right? <laughs> I'm going to get some water while y'all simmer on that. Simmer on that. Uh, am I good on time? Good. All right, I'm going to read from my Bible this time because it's a lot of scripture. Are y'all enjoying the message so far? And if you didn't, it didn't matter. <laughs> Bringing the word. <laughs> Have you ever been to like a Southern Baptist church where they're like, where all they do is read the word and they're like, blessed, blessed is the weak. Like, you know, like I've been to the ramp and, he's, and he was talking about blessed and he's nowhere near like Southern Baptist, how they, how they speak. Like they don't move. Like they, they have it right here. And they read it, they're like, amen? And then, like, every single person's like, amen, brother. Brother Todd? No. <laughs> it's not this Todd, but there was a Todd where I was. Uh, this is like Thanksgiving or something like that. All right, now to the, the word of the Lord. Amen, brother. Judges 16, verse 4, and we're probably going to go to 21. Caleb, uh, get ready, guys. Sometime later, and this was actually Samson uh, ruled for 20 years, just to let you guys know. So this is after uh, he let the foxes loose, kill a thousand men later on, okay? He's in the Philistine land. Uh, sometime later, he fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, See if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him so we may tie him up and subdue him. Each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. I was like, I don't even know how much that is. So I looked it up, and it's roughly the equivalent of 250 slaves. (laughs) They wanted Samson dead. Or, I mean, tortured, at least. So... (laughs) 
Samson answered her, or actually go to verse 6. So Delilah said to Samson, tell me the secret of your great strength and how you can be tied up and subdued. Verse 7, Samson answered her, if anyone ties me with seven fresh thongs that have not been dried, I'll become as weak as any other man. Thongs is straps, okay? I had to look it up too. I was like, I don't think it's today's, but I saw a lot of the like guys like smile. Like, Where did they got it from? Victoria's Secret. Inappropriate. Verse nine. With men hidden in the room, she called to him, "Samson, the Philistines are upon you." But he snapped the thongs as easily as a piece of string snaps when it comes close to a flame. So the secret of his strength was not discovered. Y'all good? All right. Verse 10. Then Delilah said to Samson, You have made a fool of me. You lied to me. Come now, tell me how you can be tied. Verse 11. It says, He said, If anyone ties me securely with new ropes that have never been used, I'll become as weak as any other man. Uh, this was tried before, whenever uh, the Israelites tied him up to give him to the Philistines. So I think he was just playing with her at this point. I think he knew. Like, he's like, oh, the Philistines are going to come again. So I can, like, I can play with him and be like, oh, I'm all, ah, and then kill him. I don't know. He's probably just trying to play with him. And I'll get to that. So Delilah took new ropes and tied him with them. How, like, this dude sleeps so sound. Like, does anyone, does anyone wake up at the slightest noise? Like, yes. no one. Like, if I... But she's wrapping a rope around you. I don't understand that, but it's in the Bible. <laughs> she called to him, saying, after he tied him, uh, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. But he snapped the ropes off his arms as if they were threads. Delilah then said to Samson, Until now you have been making a fool of me and lying to me. Tell me how you can be tied. And he just keeps lying to her. He's like, you know what? I'm going to just keep playing this game because it's pretty fun. He replied, If you weave the seven braids of my head into the fabric on the loom and tighten it with the pen, I'll become as weak as any other man. So while he was sleeping, Delilah took the seven braids of his head, wove them into the fabric, and tightened it with the pen. Again, she called to him, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and pulled up the pen and the loom with the fabric. <laughs> then she said to him, how can you say I love you when you won't confide in me? This is the third time you have made a fool of me and haven't told me the secret of your great strength. Why would he tell you the truth? Like, you know what? I'm going to make sure you're weak. and I'm going to call the Philistines. I feel like he totally would have understood what was happening. But later on, you realize he wasn't, because he, was, he didn't see what was happening. Wink, wink. <laughs> Gosh. Let's see where we at, 16? Oh, 15. Then she said to him, blah, 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 blah. This is the third time you have made a fool of me and haven't told me the secret of your great strength. 16. With such nag- nagging, she prodded him day and day, day after day, until he was tired to death. <laughs> Verse 17, so he told her everything. 
No razor has ever been used on my head, he said, because I have been a Nazarite set apart to God since birth. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me, and I would become as weak as any other man. You know, whenever he said his true weakness, it wasn't his hair. Like, it was his lack of character. Because he compromised so much that eventually the one thing that he's supposed to make sure is conquered and, like, the Philistines were supposed to be dead actually became the ruin of his life. So, uh, at verse 18, When Delilah saw that he had told her everything, she sent word to the rulers of the Philistines, Come back once more, he has told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines returned with the silver in their hands. Having put him to sleep on her lap, she called a man to shave off the seven braids of his hair, and so began to subdue him, and his strength left him. Verse 20 says, Then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. Surprise. He woke up from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as I I did before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Then the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes, and took him down to Gaza, binding him with bronze shackles that they sent him to grinding in the prison. There's a lot of scripture. Yeah. So one thing I want to get from this, guys, is that Samson is supposed to be like their greatest enemy, the Philistines. Like he's supposed to knock them dead. But you you would think after one mistake with the first Philistine woman and how she told him the riddle and the Philistines are trying to use the women he's with to get to him, he would understand that. Even after the three times where he told her the lies and the Philistines still came, you think he would have learned from that, but he wasn't. And that shows you how really blind he was. And like discernment-wise, like if if he was blind, he would be, he couldn't read the big E, like <laughs> typically like spiritual versus like the physical realm, you get me? And uh, And that's what happens when you compromise. And like live in that willful sin day in and day out. Like your sin takes control and blinds you to what is reality, what is right, what goes against God's will. Like Samson, he was not the one to cut his hair, but his enemies were the ones to cut it. Uh, Your sin will zap your strength and it will wear you down, especially if you play with it. And he was one to play with with the challenge. Like he went to that vineyard again, going back to the how he went to the vineyard and saw the lion and killed it. He went back. And I guess he maybe maybe he thought like, oh yeah, there's gonna be another lion. I can play with it, I can, I can, I can challenge it. And then after his first wife died, then he went and found another Philistine woman. So he liked the challenge. Like he's playing with that temptation. He's playing with the enemy. He's playing with sin. Uh, I remember a verse, I think it's in Mark or something like that. It says, no one can come into the house or break into the house unless he binds the strong man. And I found that was pretty cool because that's what they did with Samson. They, They bound him and then were able to take him down, you know. 
Samson treated his enemy as a toy and even deeper, like a lover. Like we have songs where like, let all the other lovers fall away. Like that song, like his lover was like the Philistines and lover of challenge and temptation and trying, he, he would dive into the temptation just to see if he can climb out. And like, we need to get as far away from temptation as possible and trying to fight it because sometimes you're not going to be able to climb out, especially if you're not depending on the Lord because it will wear you down. Instead of uh, Samson, instead of being similar to Joseph, where he fleed from temptation, sexual temptation with Potiphar's wife, he, like, Samson like, was all in. He tried his hardest to get into temptation, and like, that became his downfall. So in closing, y'all can stand up. You can leave the light on for a second. I'll tell you when. I can't see if not. Closing, it says, his lack of vision, I wrote down, his lack of vision and perspective caused him, bless you, caused him to see what was evil and call it good. You know, people usually associate, and I said this, with the temptations of lust. It's, it's much more than that. It is a reflection of how far you can go from your calling if you stop seeing with God's eyes and depend on your own judgment and your own moral compass. Like we all, we all, you can turn off the light now. We all have a calling. We all have an anointing over our life. And what that means, a calling or anointing, and you heard this if you've grown up in church, but if you haven't, a calling and anointing is your specific purpose in life. And God gives you grace. He gives you empowerment and the ability and favor to do that. And he gives you the purpose and that, and that drive and that favor in that. So, like when we're talking about the anointing, Samson had the anointing and it came upon him. It rushed upon him. But there was one thing that like, he lacked. Like he had a, a bunch of strength, but he had lack of character. He, had, he was weak morally, spiritually. And that's one thing that we can we can grasp from it is like integrity is, is so crucial when we're trying to pursue God and we're trying to pursue like his anointing and his empowerment in our life. And like integrity is not accidental and it's not for the weak or for those who easily give up. And it's, It's always good, you know, to know that where you stand. Like, have I given up recently? And like, I mean, you guys can close your eyes too, because it's kind of a private moment. And just think back on yourself when kind of related to Samson's story. Have I have I compromised 
my convictions? Have I, have I compromised in, in what I believe and in, in what I've done? I'm still serving God, but is there any, any way that I'm, I'm, I could be trapped into temptation, into sin, because I'm starting to befriend somebody or I'm starting to befriend the world? Am I starting to think things that I used to think were really bad and really went against my core convictions and starting to say, eh, it's not as bad anymore. It's, I don't think it's bad, but it goes against God's word. You know, Samson didn't realize how important his eyes were. You know, we said, like, watch your eye gates, but it's true. He blindly followed what he saw, and it caused a lot of destruction. An example, he saw the Philistine woman. He said that he saw her right in his eyes. He saw the vineyard and went through the vineyard. That's whenever he saw the carcass. He touched the dead thing. And that's whenever he saw Delilah. That eventually led to his ruin. You know, I think it's the last verse, 21. It says that his eyes, they gouged out his eyes. So, his, man, his eyes were taken from him in a true, like, poetic fashion. Like, what, what was the first instinct where he, where he saw the woman and he, and he saw what he saw fit and what was right eventually led him to have his vision taken from him? Literally. You know, and related to spiritual-wise, like, if you do not see through God's eyes eventually you won't see anything but darkness and there's no hope and and you're miserable and you know that's what leads a lot of people to God and a lot of people that slide back and are are backslidden and and stop following God is they had God's eyes before they saw their worth they saw their mission their, their 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 calling their anointing whatever yada and then you go, they backslide, and they don't see things with God's eyes. They, they don't see anything. They see hopelessness, and, and, and like, man, they're miserable. And the, the good part about this is, is that there's redemption. And, like, I didn't, I didn't say, like, the, the last part, but eventually he kills as many Philistines as he did whenever he was living uh, because they put him on display. And... And I believe that was to show you that there's always victory, even when you mess up, even when you are supposed to be a life group leader, if you're a senior leader, if you're on the worship team, if you lead a large group of people, if you fall, there's always a hand right under you, and he's pulling you up. There's always forgiveness. So everyone's eyes closed, please. And we can have an altar call. You can have leaders come up too. I'll give you a second. You know, God's love is, is so powerful and it's so impactful that even when we mess up continually and, and we're deceived and what we think is, is right in our eyes, is right in our hearts, and we're set on it. You know, God's always there to give us conviction and love at the same time. 
It's not condemnation where he's throwing it at you and saying, you're, you're horrible. You'll never amount to anything. You, you did this, that, and the other. You're always going to be a failure. God's not like that. If anything, he's like, you are my son, and I want you to succeed in life. I want you to be in right standing with me. So I'm going to help you through it. I'm going to show you my convictions for you. Again, everybody's eyes closed. You know, I believe that like God's in this room. And if, if you can't feel him and his spirit, if you've never given your life to the Lord, I believe that you can feel him today. You can feel him tonight. You can feel him tomorrow, next week, the week after. There is always redemption and there is always his presence. Always. It says that his spirit will be poured out on all man and woman. So I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I want everybody's eyes closed. This is important. If you feel like you haven't embraced God and you haven't been committed to following Jesus and, and you don't know what that looks like, you never, you've never done it before, you've come to church, you don't know how to do it, you've, you've seen us, you, you know that that's something you need to do, but you haven't been committed to it. I just want you to say in your heart, I'm not going to ask you to repeat after me or anything like that, but make that commitment to the Lord. Say, you know, say to yourself and to the Lord, pray to Him and say, you know, I'm going to follow you now, Gord. I said, I'm going to follow you now. Thank you, Lord. You know, he died on the cross just so we can have this atmosphere in here. And I believe if, if you don't, if you're not a Christian, if you're not committed to, to Christ, then you just say in your heart, God, I, I'm committed to following you. God, I ask you that you, I, I repent from my sin and from all those things that I've done. And I ask that you come into my heart you make me whole so I don't have to feel miserable anymore. I don't have to feel the weight of every bad thing I've done. I don't have to have anxiety. I don't have to feel the stress of, man, what's going to happen to when I die? If that's you, have that heart change. I'm going to talk to everybody else in the room now. You know, we all have flaws. You know, in the Bible... It doesn't sugarcoat, as I said before. It shows every, almost every person's sin, what they've done wrong, the accomplishments that they've made. And a lot of times we like to focus on, on the flaws. You know, but I don't feel like that's what God wanted us to do. You know, Jesus died on the cross so that even Christians could have redemption. They can live sanctified like Pastor Todd spoke on Sunday. So everyone's eyes closed. And I'm going to pray. 
And if that's you, if you if you feel like you've been wrong, you've been in wrong standing with God, that you don't feel righteous, I'm gonna ask you to come up as we uh, let out service, and you can you can pray about anything if you're. If your dog died, we'd love praying with you guys for an altar call. It's like my favorite time of the service. I like preaching, but I think the altar call is a lot more impactful. So let me pray for those people that they just feel they've been in wrong, in a wrong place. I'm going to pray for you guys, and I'm going to close out the service. God, I pray. God, I ask that you wouldn't influence and you would touch each and every single one of these students God that they would see the sin that's built up whether that's willful or or they didn't even know that it was sinful I ask that you convict them God in love that they wouldn't feel condemnation that they would be uh, pressed and, and bent on serving you day in day in day and day in day and day in and day out God, every day, every week. Thank you. God, I pray that those people that have been feeling so weighted down by their sin and and they they can't tell anybody and they can't, they can't, they definitely can't come to a leader and and tell them about their sin. But God, I pray that they they find the strength and they find that, that, uh, that they're brave enough to come to you because you know everything they've done, everything they thought. So God, I pray that they get that hope that maybe they can come to you. God, I thank you so much that I was able to speak this word. I pray that it it falls on fertile soil, that the enemy doesn't take it, there was no distractions during it. God, I I love speaking about you. And I pray that when they go home, they'd be safe. The word would stay with them. And that would be light to everyone else. God, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Again, thanks for joining us. For more info on Fusion, you can check us out on Facebook or Instagram.